Glory to Jesus Christ. Glory to In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Many of us, if we grew up in church, had different ideas about God. I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, it was very hard for me to think about God outside of some older man sitting somewhere up in the heavens enthroned with a nice beard. Does anyone else have this vision? Or not vision, like you saw something, but just this kind of idea. And we just, it takes a long time. At some point, hopefully, you move beyond that, that you grow and you develop who you understand God to be. This morning, our Lord went out and departed and went to the region of Tyre and Sidon. It's very helpful when we encounter the Gospel Pericope to wonder what Jesus just left. And Jesus just left one of the typical encounters that we know. The scribes and the Pharisees trying to wrap their mind around what Jesus was saying. They had a very specific idea about who God was, and they were very certain that they were right. And our Lord engages with them. He rebukes them. He uh, has has the prophet against them. He even gives a parable. And I think our Lord was tired from this engagement, and he goes to a completely different setting. Does anyone know what the region of Tyre and Sidon, where that is? It's north. It's it's a seaport. It's on the coast. Tyre and Sidon are throughout Scripture. Uh, You can think about Tyre and Sidon as maybe the local resort of Babylon, if you want to, because that's basically how Scripture sees Tyre and Sidon. Because who dwells in Tyre and Sidon? We know this morning she is called a Canaanite woman. That Tyre and Sidon are from Canaan, the Canaanites. Actually, Tyre and Sidon were promised to Israel, but they were never actually brought in to Israel, and they remained outside. St. John Chrysostom tells us, when you hear of a Canaanite and this Canaanite woman, you should call to mind those wicked nations who overset from their foundations the very laws of nature. Now, that might seem, try to scratch your head. For St. John Chrysostom, this is like the worst thing that you could do, overthrow the laws of nature. From the very beginning, the Canaanites were whom the Israelites were to withdraw from, to come out from. Probably one of those famous women of the Old Testament is actually from this area. Jezebel is the daughter of a Sidonian king. And we all know who Jezebel is, or at least we know not to name our daughters Jezebel. (laughs) Elijah, when he goes to visit the widow who is about to run out of food and then later raises her son from the dead, he is in the region of Tyre and Sidon. That means he's gone outside of Israel. Ezekiel does not have very nice things to say about Tyre and Sidon. He prophesies their destruction. This is where our Lord, in engaging with the scribes and the Pharisees, those who should know God, decides to take a respite. He goes beyond to the port cities of Tyre and Sidon. 
And there is a woman from that region who comes and starts crying out for mercy. Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. Now, when we hit Tyre and Sidon, if we don't know what that is in our study of Scripture, if we come across things, this should drive us to say, there's something important about this. What is a Canaanite woman? What does it mean to be from Canaan? What is incredible about this is that we have, just before this, scribes and Pharisees who can't wrap their mind around the idea that sin is not about what you put into your mouth, but what actually comes from from inside, right? That your heart is the main thing. That we then come to a Canaanite woman, a pagan, one who is not of Israel. And this is the one who cries out and affirms who Jesus is as the son of David. This is the one who can recognize that her daughter's demon-possessed. If you want from the Israelites' point of view, they've all got demons. They're just surrounded by demons. But she knows, she sees And she's coming for help. So what do you expect Jesus to do? As we encounter him in so many other encounters, right? Does he turn around, embrace her, and then say she's healed? What does it say that our Lord says? He doesn't say anything. He ignores her. John Chrysostom says, what is this new and strange thing? The Jews in their perverseness, he leads on. When they blaspheme, he entreats them. When they tempt him, he dismisses them not. But to her, this Canaanite woman running to her, him, entreating, beseeching, to her who had not been educated in the law, not in the prophets, and who is coming with great reverence. To her, he does not even give an answer. He's utterly silent. She experiences the silence of God. And that moment has to be filled. And of course, the disciples come alongside and urge him, as very often the disciples Uh, get bothered they tell him send her away for she cries out after us St. John Chrysostom after us it means this has been going on for a while they're walking along trying to have a respite and she's coming after them Lord help me son of David have mercy on me my daughter is demon possessed and the disciples like Jesus please escort this Canaanite woman away tell her to leave us alone Does Jesus rebuke them or chide them? Does he say, you know, you're right. We should get rid of this woman. He says something very interesting. He says, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. She can hear this. The disciples say, get rid of her. And Jesus basically affirms what they're saying in the sense of like, you know, this isn't really my mission. I was really sent to the house of Israel, to those lost sheep. If you put yourself 
in the mind of the Canaanite woman, whom there wouldn't be a natural uh, desire to like Israelites. These are your enemies, right? These are people that don't like you, so you don't like them. You've already encountered the silence of God. Now you've encountered from the lips of the Messiah, the son of David, that he doesn't care and that he is focused on something else. What would that do to you? You encounter the silence of God. You see others being ministered to or responded to. Is this who God is? Silent? Who seems to be cared about other people? What does the Canaanite woman do? She doesn't turn away. She doesn't just spit and say, okay, I'm done. She comes and worships him. She falls down before him. And she just says, Lord, help me. Now we think, okay, she's down before him. She's worshiping him. She's saying, Lord, help me. What does Jesus say? Your sins are healed. Your daughter is whole. No, Jesus says, it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. You are not worthy at the master's table. No, not the master's The children's bread. The bread that's left over for the children. It's not even good when we take the children's bread and we give it to the dogs. That's not even what you deserve. Again, here's an opportunity. The silence, the disregard, and now Jesus says, you're worse than a dog. If you've ever been around the Mediterranean, this is a, this is a thing. <laughs> dogs are, we love dogs, right? I'm okay with dogs, but <laughs> some of you know why I'm making that joke. Uh, this is Jesus. You're worse than a dog. The God who challenges us and looks us in the eye and tells us something. What does she say? This, the, the faith of this woman. You're right, God. Yet even those little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Even the dogs get to eat something. So please give me that crumb. This is when Jesus turns to her with exactly the heart that we expect. O woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed. I started off asking the question about what our idea of who God is. And how as children, many of us would have had all sorts of different ideas about God. We encountered before this, the scribes and the Pharisees have a very specific idea that they think they understand who God is. 
And then we encounter in this gospel Jesus who is silent, who does not seem to care, and then who issues an incredible challenge and I would say basically an insult. And we see in the Canaanite woman perseverance, faith, say dogged determination to come after Jesus. That no matter what, she maintains her faith. In the silence, in the disregard, and even when her honor, her ego, her pride is being poked at, punctured, maybe squashed. Her response is as if she'd heard Paul this morning. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Our Lord was not being silent or disregarding or challenging this woman because he did not love or did not care for her. Our Lord was showing and bringing out her faith as an example to the disciples who want to just get rid of her, as an example to us who with much, much smaller obstacles lose the path, lose the scent, do not follow what God has for us. It's as if we were still 13 and we have the idea that God is kind of like Santa Claus or something. If I call, he answers, he gives me what I need. But that it is Jesus Christ who, as Paul tells us, for this reason that we obtain mercy, that in us, or as Paul says, talking about himself, Christ Jesus might show all long suffering as a pattern to those who are going to believe on him for everlasting life. The Canaanite woman knew who she was. That does not mean not loved in the sight of God, but that she was, as Paul says, a chief of sinners, and that she knew that what she wanted was just a crumb. Knowing that we are sinners and the chief sinner should not crush us or torment us. It is actually freeing. It is the way to truly know, not just here, but here in our bodies, that we must love and pursue God, that we will fall down and worship him even when it seems like he's quiet or he's not paying attention or he's putting us through the ringer. It is God, the elusive lover and teacher of our soul, that St. John Chrysostom says, this is what Christ does to crown this woman, this Canaanite woman. For it is she who is crowned, not the scribes and the Pharisees, not the apostles, but is this woman whom our Lord says does not deserve the food that falls off the table. This is the one who is restored. This is also the power of intercessory prayer 
that as we see ourselves as the chief of sinners, that we are not just praying for ourselves, because she comes asking mercy for herself, but freedom for her daughter. This is why our Lord elsewhere tells us to knock, to seek, to pursue, because we know that we're not going to get a rock. We know that we're not going to have all of our petitions falling on deaf ears. It may not come as we know it and as we think it's supposed to be, but it is always Jesus Christ loving us, shaping us, and having him follow us all the way down into the depths so that we can be raised up in newness of life to be crowned by our Lord God and Savior Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.